Cue Playback. Welcome back, everyone, to Cue Playback, the podcast that looks into Indian DIY recording from the 1990s to today. Uh, today, we're going to take a slight bit of a sidestep uh, into the world of film production and uh, film sound recording. Um, and we're going to jump in at the year 2000. So today I'm going to introduce my guest, Nathan Hill. Nathan, you want to let us know a little bit about who you are and what you do? Thank you, Chris. Thanks for having me, man. Okay, I guess in a nutshell, I'm at the core an indie filmmaker, but I've been involved in the film industry for many, many years now, probably more than two decades, maybe three, similar to yourself in music. Uh... Yeah, so heavily involved in indie films, just bagged my 10th feature film that I Amazing. wrote and directed. When we're trying to set up uh, this podcasting and you're reeling off all the productions that we'd crossed paths on, um, I just couldn't believe it. There was <laughs> there were moments in there that I almost didn't remember. <laughs> um, but we, we, mm. we kind of talk about our, our first crossing paths around the year 2000. Yep. Uh, we had met a fair way before that. We'll, we'll yeah. come back to that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the year 2000, so uh, mm. everyone's breathing a big sigh of relief uh, that the Y2K bug wasn't <laughs> anything. Um, I remember that. So uh, we, we normally do a bit of a countdown of uh, mm. the top um, music acts in Australia um, mm. the year that we're jumping in. Great. Year 2000, yes. top grossing film in Australia. Any guesses? Millennium, turn of the millennium. I mean, on I can remember on video, Speed 2 came out. <laughs> <laughs> and that bombed. But uh, movie-wise, oh, I don't know. Good question. Yep. So number one, Mission Impossible 2. Wow. Uh, number two, unsurprisingly, Gladiator. Oh, gosh. Number three. Go and jump in, Nate. Oh, Gladiator. My God, what would it be? Is it a Denzel Washington film? No. Nope. Gosh, and you've already said Cruise. That's not Leo. Oh, mm -hmm. maybe, no. Oh, God, no, you got me. Yep, Stuart Little. <laughs> oh, my God. Wow. Uh, and on the Australian front, uh, The Dish. Oh, yeah, yep. Um, with, uh, is it Stephen Curry? Stephen Curry, yep. Yep, yep. Um, all the local legends that are in that one, yep. Uh, and I'll probably bleep this one, but mm -hmm. uh, for those locals who probably remember it, uh, The w Boy. Mm-hmm, yes. Uh, I had, uh, in fact, I can tell you a quick bit of trivia. Uh, Naomi Davis, who's in my Tomboys film, she was in The wow. Boy. Wow. And she was one of the nightclub girls that got to line up and then dance in a scene with uh, uh, okay. Vincent and Nick. Right. Yeah. Uh, it's, a, it's a strange thing to look back on because, um, you know, to quote mm. the D generation, <laughs> holding up a mirror to multicultural Australia. Um, but I. I still feel uneasy with mm. the commodification of ethnicity. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Anyone listening, let us know what you think about that, if that was a great move, step forward for the Australian <laughs> movie industry or if it was uh, problematic. Um, so, so yeah. coming back to uh, 2000. Yes. Um, I can't remember when it was in the year. That was the first year that I toured through Canada. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and you had, I had invited I, I, me over yeah, oh, yeah. to talk about a project you were That's looking right. at. Yeah. Yep. So that w was that the Too Hard to Hold 
Yes. So it was a big, I guess, a kind of a big premise we'd, we'd, we'd set to do this film. It was sort of coming out of the nightclub era because I was a regular at the Palace in Camville. I don't yep. know if you remember that. Yep. And it was, you know, we'd club three nights a week and that culture, there was a, there was a posse we'd assembled and I became friends with a guy there, um, David, and uh, his brother, Got, who went by the name Darren Preslin, and it was Preslin after Presley because he was okay. a Presley guy. I don't hmm. know why you said why he changed it to Preslin, but it was close. And he was an actor, and uh, we we took we took a road trip to his place in Sydney, and I didn't know that he was acting in the do- the Island of Doctor Moreau wow. at the time. Wow! Yeah, so I got to see home videos of Marlon Brando and Val Kilmer, and I was kind of awestruck. You know, yeah, absolutely. You know, a beginner yeah. back then. And uh, his one of his girlfriends, he was he was gay. Um, his brother was gay, Darren, but his friend uh, Peter was dating Tamora Morrison wow. from Once Were Warriors, wow. and he Amazing. was also in Doctor Moreau. So mm. there was this kind of you know crazy group that I found myself in, and we wanted to make this film too hard to hold, and it was all based on the nightclub culture. And mm. um, I think it was about uh, um, two mates, and and one of the mates' girlfriends had gone missing, and at first it seemed sinister, but it was actually her just had enough of the relationship right. and had kind of you know jumped ship. Mm. And so I came to you thinking, okay. No, in fact, I probably went to some of our childhood friends first in the in the in the region yep. to say I need my first film score. And your name came up first. It was yeah, like the nice. musician that's closest to us will be Chris Wright. <laughs> and I was like, Chris. Oh, I know Chris. I've met him. Yes, you know, because yep. we'd met a couple of times. Uh, and so, and that's where that whole sort of, I guess, yeah, idea and premise came from in mm. in the early days. And that we started shooting it. And it was, and we only got about 10 minutes in. It was a short film and then it all crashed. Yeah. That I do remember. Um, because I thought there was a lot of energy and I think, uh, both of us are quite driven people. And when Mm. we find a project that we're actually interested in, uh, all the synapses start firing straight away. Um, and when you're, uh, I think, I think I might've followed up with you Mm. And you just seemed devastated. Because <laughs> I, I think I had, I had, I'd gotten all of your CDs. I'd acquired everything mm. you'd pretty much written or had, had started to release. Like you had demos, mm. and I was listening to all that stuff religiously. And I remember there was one song on the Topher album. Okay. Yeah, and yeah. I remember that was like, this is going to be a theme song. Yeah. And uh, yeah, you're absolutely right because I'd had such a massive falling out with that guy right. that I cast as the lead. Yep. And I was going to play second lead, which was not really what I would normally do, you know, I'd always be the front man, but I was passing the torch sort of thing. And he kind of, to put it bluntly, he just kind of, um, kind of fucked me over. I don't know mm. if I'm allowed to swear on the pod, but yes, you know, kind of fucked me over. So it's just one of those. In those the entertainment st- industry. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, really? <laughs> um, so yeah, it was just, it was tragic. And, but the, the thing is, though, I remember talking to mum about it. Because um, mum's, you know, as, and you know, mum, she's always been a, a supporter, particularly in the early days. Mm. And she just said to me, "Are you sure you want his face on the cover?" Right. And something, something clicked, and I was like, "Hang on, no, I don't think I do." <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, but we, but I mean, I was, I was all in, like you said, you know, we, we really wanted, uh, we, well, I wanted your score. I wanted that as a composition, yeah. And I think it would have been an interesting thing because. Um, 
maybe it's difficult for uh, younger people these days to remember or to understand what club culture was like mm. for some people because um, these days you can connect with your cohort, connect with your people so easily online. Yep, that's you true. You can literally type in a hashtag mm. uh, into you know, uh, TikTok, uh, Instagram, Twitter and start connecting with people who are doing the same thing. Um, right, that's true. Whereas we'd have to go out on foot and canvas that, and try and find right. that group. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so for myself, there was um, a club that I used to love mm. going to. Um, started out smashing. It was held at Dream Nightclub. It was basically mm. for all the independent British mm. music releases. Mm. And so every Saturday night, people who love this style of music would go and, and just hang out. Love uh, that. But strangely enough for me, mm. Um, mm. like this was 20 years ago. Yeah. I was at a wedding recently and there was a couple sitting across the table um, from my partner and I. Mm. And she says, I know you. <laughs> I'm like, are you sure? And I, I couldn't remember this person at all. And she's like, did you used to go to Smashing Nightclub? And I'm like, yes, it. yes, I did. I love it. Um, yeah, so I, I think, yeah. will we be having those moments? And if... if we do will it be i remember you from yeah myspace <laughs> yeah yeah and it was like that you know you, yeah. you'd, you'd go out and you'd, you'd have that that group and that was, there was that subculture but you'd only see these people at night yeah and you're probably drunk but when you saw them and when you were in those environments everyone knew you everyone yeah. knew your name yeah. and it was and yeah. it was hilarious but then as, as we know by day you'd become clark kent and then you wouldn't mm. and you wouldn't talk to any of these people it was very much a night a nightlife yeah. you know uh, and yeah, bringing up your mum, mm. that does take us back to the childhood. Childhood. Yeah. I, I was trying to think when I first remembered you. I, um, mm. We had mutual friends, and yeah. I think even back in then, the, in the neighbourhood. For me, it might have even been late primary school. I can't quite yeah. remember, but I knew that you you loved just loved film. film. Yeah, um, I think, and I knew that you'd loved music. <laughs> yeah. I think maybe you were telling me about Reanimator. Would that? Have been that sounds right? right, my man. That sounds right. I was obsessed with it. Yeah. And I don't know if you remember, but my uncle David, he another David. Um, it's strange. I've had a lot of Davids in my life, which I should tell you about later. Um, but he uh, he'd opened up one of the first video stores, right. and so we used yeah. to get the preview tapes. So we'd actually see movies like before they were at cinema. And there was this epic event in the neighborhood, I don't know if you heard about it, where we got aliens. We had aliens on VHS. Oh, wow. And it was six months before cinema. And back then you'd go to the Doncaster shopping yeah, town absolutely. village. Yeah. And just all of a sudden, this crowd appeared. You know, wow. it was kids and neighbors and people from school and this and that. And I, I remember we, we had, like, the house almost exploded when we put it in the VCR. <laughs> And so we were having, it was, I guess it was illegal, you know, it was kind of a yes and no. I mean, the, the, the you know, my, my uncle would have been, you know, the video store proprietor and he, his job was to watch these films before they came out because he had to tell the customers what the movie was like and, he, and sometimes it would involve ratings. Yeah. Yep. Um, and that was his job and I thought, what a cool job. So that's, that became my first job. Oh, yeah. nice. but, but that's, um, that was, uh, that was in that era. So Reanimator was one of the movies. Mm. That was one of the ones I got that I loved around about that time. Is that the head in the basket movie? That, yeah, right. yeah, the head head on the on the on the tray, and it was a bit of a mad scientist, almost a Frankenstein kind of mm. gone wrong. Yeah, yeah. a modern day uh, Frankenstein. Uh, <laughs> so we'll put the um, nostalgia on the back burner for a little while, <laughs> and we'll just do a um, a little sidestep over to mm. recording equipment. So um, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, 
in film for people who uh, might have uh, jumped into this pod not having much of a technical background. Mm-hmm. You would have the f- um, audio recording that's happening as things are taking place. Yep. Which in for when we're on, on location. On location. So we'd have a mixer and a boom operator mm-hmm. live. And I'm trying to think back to what the name of the equipment was that I first used. I, I would have been in TAFE mm. the first year out of high school when I got professional gear. Before that, I was even using domestic stuff. Like I remember buying a mixer for home and I had a mixer that would connect between probably a VCR yeah. and something else, probably the computer, probably the Commodore or something. Mm. Like it was just nuts. Um, and we'd do a lot of stuff in camera. Like when I was doing home videos, you'd do it all in camera. I remember having a super VHS camera and you'd edit and do sound in camera. It was insane. Amazing. Um, but yeah, like you said, when it came to mixing, um, probably four track, would it be four or eight? Maybe maybe uh, when I started out, I definitely started on four. Four, I probably um, did. Had probably had a session on a four and an eight. Yeah, um, and obviously all tape mm. at that point. Mm. Um, and so were the games on the bloody Commodore. They were, <laughs> they were on cassette. It's ridiculous. Yeah, uh, and then you got your post. Yeah. Um, so location wise, there'd be there'd be a mixer and and boom, mm-hmm. and then. Uh, and then post, yeah, we would have. Uh, well, I would, I would come to someone like yourself, mm. who's got the proper uh, mixing setup to do to do proper audio, and that is always you know, such a big component, as we know, because vision and and sound, you know, they've both got to equally be as good to make the movie, and mm. sometimes sound more so. I mean, I think there's a theory that like the experience is seventy percent audible anyway when you watch a movie. Yeah, and this was something I was going to uh, bring up with you because there's mm. different schools of thought in film and in uh, music production. True. So you've got the um, is it dogma um, yeah. style yeah. of film production. Yeah. Um, and that seems to. Uh, well, so we should probably describe what that is for people <laughs> listening. Um, so some film producers have tried to restrict themselves to only using uh, locations that are already set up. Yep. There's no bringing um, things in or taking things out. There's no bringing in artificial light. Um, or any artifice, they mm-hmm. dump their um, actors into a scene as mm-hmm. it is. Mm. Studio-esque, yep. Um, and try and get whatever they can. Mm. Um, then on the other hand, mm. you've got the big uh, phrase that's used with film, which is the suspension of disbelief. Correct, which is probably more where I'm at. Um, and so, yeah, I, I guess yeah. my question, how do you feel about those mm, things? Mm, mm, how do you feel mm. about the ideas of... Mm, mm. Purism versus engagement. It's a really good question. It can be visual as well. I mean, I know I had a friend recently who did a film and he shot on different cameras and that created problems when he went to color grade. A lot of filmmakers as well, they make a mistake. They shoot in a a particular frame rate and then it's somewhere along the line, whether it's the GoPro or the drone is in a different frame rate, not realizing it can fuck up the whole distribution Mm. chain because it's got to be succinct all the way through. Same, Same with the audio, I guess. I mean, that's why I would always go to someone like yourself to mix or to um, sound edit to make it seamless because you're absolutely right. I could be using camera mic. I could be using boom and and, and, and um, location mixing uh, against, God, yeah, even lapel or mm. um, maybe it's uh, might even be a, a mic attached to a GoPro or, I mean, God, there's just so many so many yeah. environments and, 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 I, and I'm a filmmaker that I guess 
adapts to the environment so and i also try to save money so for example if i'm doing drone i know straight away i don't need sound it's going to be it's going to be an overhead shot it's sound later um if i am doing audio i try to do as less as i can outdoors because obviously outdoors you get your environmental problems so i try to contain my dialogue indoors so when i'm outdoors i normally do action Mm-hmm. or musically driven scenes. And that's another good point too. I do a lot of musically driven scenes because it, it, it's better for film, but it also cuts down your edit time. Mm. You know, yeah. it's good to be clever in that way. And I was having an argument with someone recently about <clears throat> film is something that you show, not tell. Mm. So I would rather have music and say nothing than actually dialogue, dialogue, dialogue. dialogue. I might as well go and do a stage play, mm. you know. That, it's fascinating, actually, because uh, in one of our earlier episodes, uh, another uh, musician, one of the first people I worked with, said pretty much the same thing oh, about wow. songwriting, that mm. you have to get to a place where mm. you're taking someone on the journey with you, not yeah. telling them what's Yeah, happening. yeah, that's um, right. Yes, yeah, not spoon-feeding, but actually allowing. Yeah. Yes, yeah. absolutely. So it's more abstract in, this, in that sense. Mm. And I do love music because... It's such a big part of film, but also musicians like yourself and filmmakers like me. It's it, it's like brothers. It's like brothers. Mm. It's like cousins. It's it's and it's entertainment. And I was saying to someone even today, you know, whether you're a stand-up comedian, a circus performer, a musician, a, a filmmaker, it's all entertainment. They're all brothers and mm. sisters. You know? uh, we'll come back to some of the suspension mm. of disbelief and sound editing, but on music, mm. I wanted to yeah. jump in yeah. with your longtime collaborator, mm. Jamie. Oh God, what a great, uh, what a great guy! I spoke to him. T- it's his birthday today. Ah. Oh my God, well, Jamie! Whenever you're listening to this, happy, happy birthday. birthday! Can you believe it? That's awesome. Yeah, I talked to him today, and we discovered that we've worked on 24 films together, wow. which is yeah. insane. Uh, now another, I don't know if you know this true story. We've never met in person. I did not know that. Yeah. I thought he was a local who ended up in another city to us. He lives in, is it WA? Yeah. Is it WA? Yeah. Yeah. And it's absolutely ironic because the first film we did together was when I put out an ad for a, um, a a score, uh, when I was doing Jasper, Mm -hmm. which was probably around 20, 2010, somewhere around there. Yep. And he responded, and there were two guys, and they were this real powerhouse, and they were they what they they sent me their reel, and I was kind of blown away by it. And they're very serious about being, you know, um, film scorers for life. Right. Yep. But then very quickly, their um, <laughs> their, their, their their sort of partnership ended. Right. It's kind yep. of like what happened to me on Too Hard to Hold. It, mm. it sort of ended. But I but I kind of I kept my hands on Jamie, mm. and he said, I don't care what this other guy's going to do. I'm going all the way. And I was like, Well, you're the guy I want to want to talk to. So it, yep. so I said to him, I tell you what, you do Jasper pro bono, and if you're any good. I'll use it. Ooh, what a yeah, sting! It was, it was some, uh, <laughs> hustling all the way, <laughs> and he was like, "Okay, I'll take the challenge." Thank yep. God for me, the 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 theme song he came up with. It, it was almost like I, I was having deja vu. It was exactly how I'd imagined it. From, from memory, did that have a slight bit of a James Bond vibe? Yes, you're, okay. you can, you've yeah. got a good memory. It was it was I, this I don't guitar. Really, that's why you're here, Nathan. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was guitar, but it had those moments, yeah, where you kind of it was Bond esque, and uh, he just nailed it, yeah. And so we kept going, but we've but that's been the amazing thing because, I mean, we obviously talk on the phone a lot and skyped and all the rest of it, mm. but. Um, he is where he is and I'm where I am. And th- that's the funny thing about the composition. You can, you can direct it not having to be, uh, face to face. 
And most people now probably don't anyway. Yeah, that's right. So, yeah. but it was inc incredible to imagine though that for now, God, what's that? That's 13 years yep. of, of scores and, and never met face to face. It's, it's ridiculous. That's Amazing. awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, going back to the suspension of disbelief. Mm. Um, so some, some people tune, will tune into this podcast because they're really interested in the, the mm. tech side of things. I've already said, it's mm. not a, a pro audio. It's more about the love of what we do. Yeah. But I'll right. give you a quick rundown. So um, we've worked on a plethora of projects. We have. Um, mm. And some of the stuff that I love is just being able to pan sounds so that they work okay. in your brain. Yep. Uh, whether if that, you know, that's a, mm. a helicopter mm. or a sound or a, mm. um, a car mm. just being panned in the right place. Yep. Um, but with cleaning up mm. uh mm. there was one we won't name it but there was one project <laughs> that needed an oh, extraordinary yeah. amount yeah. of was, the, was this the one with like the million um dissolves there probably was, I think, yes. yeah I, I think i remember this um and yeah. <laughs> so the the what we call the signal to noise ratio, um, the, the usable sound compared to the background noise, was oh almost God. there was almost no distinguishing uh, no distinguishing between the two. Um, but um, for me, it was an interesting challenge because we had a whole bunch of dialogue we had to use. We had a visual of a, um, a medium sized room. Um, but if we left in all that background noise, it became <laughs> horrific. But if you did like a hard gate between these sections, it, like your brain would say, those people aren't there. I th actually, I'm having deja vu. I, yeah. I remember we had this conversation. We can say the title. Is it Seance? No, no, no. It's no, not, it's it's not it, Seance. No, no. Oh my God. I thought it was. Seance I, I enjoyed. Oh my um, God. Uh, this was a, a docu docu series. Oh, I think yeah. I know. Okay, um, <laughs> yeah, right. I know the one. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, so what, what that involved was <clears throat> doing the cleanup. So we're EQing. There might have been yep. frequencies that needed to come out, um, gating, and um, mm. just m manually going through and yeah. cutting up the audio. That was but huge. Then yep. putting in some reverb, mm. just at enough of a level that people listening to it would say those people are talking in that room. Yep. <laughs> Um, yep. And that is the suspension of disbelief. Um, so often yes. part of the magic is people not understanding just how, how hard you've worked. worked. Oh God, you're absolutely so. right. They take it for granted. And I know the docker you're thinking of now and that, and that did drag on, let's be honest, that was a really hard one. And yeah. And sometimes like we had, a, had even an issue today with um, one of the posters we're trying to get made for a re-release there's just not enough images. And so the poor graphics guy is having to make something out of almost nothing. He's only yep. got low res screen grabs. He doesn't even have like TIFF or proper JPEG files of any yep. images from the film. And what he pulled off was incredible. But like you said, the suspension of disbelief, people just don't understand mm. how much work is going into these things. Yep. They, they just take, like you said, they take it for granted and they just assume, oh yeah, he does this, he does that. The other thing that gets me is the writing. Like the amount of time I've spent writing and people are just oblivious. Yep. Absolutely, absolutely oblivious to to how much time I spent writing these these stories. I mean, they it can take years. Mm. You know, it's yep. uh, it's incredible, but we just take it for granted. Yeah, and and people ask why um, mm. you know musicians don't put out albums like twice a year or something. Absolutely. 
because it only gets harder. Like, yep. Uh, have I written this song yep. 10 times before? Exactly. Yep. Uh, How do you reinvent the wheel? And also, the longer you take, probably the better that one's going to be. Mm. Like, it was the whole Stanley Kubrick thing. They said, why has it taken him 10 years to do Eyes Wide Shut? And I said, well, have you seen the film? Like, yeah. it's it's <laughs> it's because it took 10 years to, to make it that good, you know? So, yeah, you're right. Um, and, and, like, good sound design mm. um, can also just be hugely entertaining. Like, um, mm. this is a small example my son and i both have um, similar kind of hearing um mm. so fairly uh like good hearing but yep. we we struggle sure. with background noise because we're sort of aware of everything at the same time yeah uh, and yep. we were watching a marvel movie um i think it was infinity war and they're they're walking a, a, a few of the characters are walking across this massive cavern mm. um and uh, the character groot is playing a Game Boy. He's been playing a Game Boy like for this whole sequence mm -hmm. and just way off on a hard pan on mm. right in the background, there's just this tiny Game Boy noise. Mm. And my son and I just looked at each other in the theater and started giggling. Wow. <laughs> um, and not everyone else is like, you know. Uh, yeah, uh, oblivious. Oblivious. Yeah, yeah. But, but you've those got those details. That's a really good uh, point. That's a really good thing that you've raised as well because your natural ability to have better hearing, acute hearing, is probably the similar to my acute vision. Because, and, and it takes me back to when we were kids now, which is amazing because, you know, I used to paint. I used to paint when I was a teenager. Well, I, I, used, yeah, I used to paint 25 millimeter miniatures and I used to hone in and do eyeballs that were mm. like the size of the, you know, the tip of a pin, you know, yep. needle. Um, and, 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 you know, I'd show, I'd show them off to family or friends or whatever. And they go, Oh my God. You know? mm. And that, you, that was easy. And now, I mean, I couldn't do it now. My eyesight's <laughs> not as great. Right. But, but, but thinking back to just how, how, how acute yeah, the love of it detail. It was in that in, in, in those, you know, in those um I guess developing years mm. kind of made a bit of a statement to what you and I are doing now and who we've become and what we do. Yeah. And, and I'll often like point out details mm. to my partner. I'll be like, I oh, can hear that like um that um vocal's been done with like a tube mic yep. and uh she'll just be like I love that you love that. <laughs> <laughs> it's always yeah. Yeah. They they can't quite appreciate it the same way. Uh, so in all of these years, so, mm. so many years, yeah, man. um, well, I'll get you to plug later. Mm. It's, it's going to take half the show just to plug. Um, <laughs> so what was one of your most mm -hmm. desperate moments of mm -hmm. innovation to get something done? What do you think? Well, I think I've come to you in a couple of those desperate <laughs> moments. Let's be honest, because I've, I've been a couple of situations where, um, you know, needed the sound mix, um, couldn't get anyone. That's the other problem, you know, biggest problem with, with the mixing and maybe it's just Melbourne, but there's very few guys that do what I need someone to do. Uh, and, and quite often they're booked out mm. as well. So if I can't get you, I get the other guy. If I can't get him, I get, you know, it's a bit, a bit of a musical chairs thing. Yep. But yeah, definitely there's a couple of those moments too where I was, you know, limited budget and who can I go to that I know well, that knows me well, where I don't have to have all the BS and just get it done yeah, do on, the dance, on this, yeah, and on this limited budget, and here we go. But I think, I think, um, I think, seance, seance, we would have had those issues. I think um, the re, the remake of of the hidden, you know, was as well. Yep. Um, Suburban Zero, which I was EPing, that was obviously Nick Whiteman's film. Mm. Um, but yeah, the docos, obviously the Down Under docos, that's been a whole other thing as well. 
But I think there's, I think every time I've come to you, it's because I'm like, oh shit, I'm going to need to get Chris <laughs> on this. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Uh, and like, I mean, I've loved the movies. Um, mm. Yeah. The documentaries were a challenge. Um, yeah. I, I think. Because we had the American Distro wanting certain things. And that's right. do you remember? Yeah. Do you remember yeah, where we yeah, sort of, yeah. we realized during that, that our processes were very different and the, the conversations and instructions I've had from US Distros. Yeah. It's just very different to here. It's very it, different. It is interesting. Mm. Uh, um, and you know, cause you've toured there. Yeah. And different uh, culture. I, I worked with um, another artist, uh, Steve Roach will probably come on this at some mm. point. Mm-hmm. And cool. um, we, we did his first album mm. And he loved it. He was really happy with it. It was what he, uh, how he wanted the album to sound. Yep. Um, he got signed to an American label. Yep. Um, they were uh, obviously happy with it all. Mm-hmm. Um, but then they started saying, oh, you know, could we get our in-house person to change this or touch this up? And, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and Steve was just like, no, I like it how it is. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, and it, yeah, I mean, it's, one of those strange things that, you know, mm. signed to an American label, um, yeah. not, not hugely well known in Australia. Um, uh, but he said that, um, his son mm. was on a work site not mm. that long ago mm. and these guys were listening to some music on Spotify mm-hmm. and it was his dad, Steve. Oh my God. <laughs> really? And so like th- these tradies had just found this old, <laughs> old country artist and gone. What a classic. Yeah. So, um, went yeah. down the rabbit's hole. Uh, life is weird. I love it. Um, yeah, but you're like you're right. Like what you said before about the person re- remembering you at the party. Hmm. Um, I've had a couple of situations recently where it's like that. You you're staring at someone and thinking, God, I know you've where from, yeah. you know. And uh, it's snakes and ladders, isn't it? Life. It's up and down, and it's crossroads, and it's hmm. I don't know. It seems to ebb and flow. It comes back. You know, I mean, even look at our creative journey. It's like an ebb and flow. Yeah. yeah. Comes and goes, comes and goes in waves. And knowing how to surf, I guess, is half the battle when you're doing this stuff. And um, also, um, whilst I'm on the topic, intense and then separation. You know, that's Mm. like the relationships, you know, when you're making your album. And it's intense. And it's like when I shoot the film, it's intense. And then you separate. And then you might might not talk to these people for a while because you're burnt Mm. out. Um, But then you regroup. And that's what I do like about it because you regroup at the screening or you'll regroup at a gig. Um, And uh, that's nice. It's good to have that. And I think part of that, probably for you you as well, is uh, going over the editing process. Yeah, uh, Like you going over your... Your tracks. Yeah. So by the time uh, uh, mm. the Hidden Currents albums are mm. produced by myself, mm. I uh, largely produce my own albums. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. if you've listened to an album a hundred times, listening mm-hmm. for the minutia, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. you need that that distance to go. Mm. Oh, that was actually all right. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't think I listened to the first Hidden Currents album mm. for a year. Yeah. After we released it. Yeah. Uh, I'm mean, obviously. I, I feel Still that. playing it. But then um, it just came on random in the car one day. I was like, mm. oh, it's pretty good. Yeah, 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 absolutely, absolutely. My, I was talking to one of my distros. He said the same thing. He said, you know, edit it and edit it and edit it until you're so sick of it. Like, make yeah. it as great as it can be. And you and you know when it's great because you're so sick of it, you don't want to look at it again. And then, like you said, put it away. Yep. And then just lazily come back to it a few years later and you might surprise yourself and enjoy it fresh again or something. But yeah. one movie I won't watch is Tom Boy's. Uh, I, I, ugh, I can't. Too that's, far now? That, 
That's yeah. an that's another Nathan. That's like Nathan Renaissance one. Mm. I, I I just it's not me anymore. I've changed so much as a person. Yeah. I can't like that's what I was gonna ask you. Is there an album you've done that you just you can't really go back to? You've changed, you've evolved so much you don't even like that genre. Maybe you didn't like that, you know, the, those songs or because I can't watch that film again. These days I'm probably a little bit more philosophical about all of it. That I yep. think um I think there's some stuff that I did, you know, when I was young mm. that just isn't great, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but I I feel the same about some of my short films. Uh, but I can listen to them and go, okay, that's where I learned to do that technique. Gotcha. Yep. That I can, great. That's where I learned that I shouldn't be yeah. singing that high <laughs> and hard. And um, yeah, that you know, there are better vocal coaches than Robert Smith. Yeah, but yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. Um, yeah, no, I, I love that you said that because you've, you've taken you've taken the positive out of every situation. Yeah, and mm. I, I maybe ten years ago mm. I wouldn't have. I would have yeah. still had those flushes of embarrassment about yep. Um, yep. certain bits and pieces. but yep. um, And then you sort of let go eventually, don't you? Yeah. Go, whatever. Yeah. Um, and I think mm-hmm. it's, partly that's having been a live musician. Um, mm. You know, when you're doing your first gigs, you're like, oh, I'm going to make a mistake and mm-hmm. people will be looking at me, people will notice. And like once, once you've done a few hundred gigs or whatever, mm-hmm. you realise you're always going to make a mistake mm-hmm. and it's not going to matter. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you yeah. just have to get on with it. You're thinking about it more than they are, yeah, sort of thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's the same. It's actually the same quite a lot with acting because you can be so self critical and try to look a certain way and be a certain way and get the character this way. And, you know, do I look good? You know, and, and then eventually you just kind of think, wow, mm. no one cares. It's just you. They're either like you for you and they're going to watch it or they're not. Yeah. And, and all those little details sometimes, eh, not as much. Of a worry somehow, yeah. yeah. Uh, so the two Nathans, yes. Um, the two. <laughs> the, there the was Renaissance. An, you mean? The, yeah. There was a yeah. um, an early acting credit mm. that you might might be close to the older Nathan. Are we allowed to talk about this? <laughs> There's no copyright embargo, is there? <laughs> <clears throat> well, I sort of see my career now as two Renaissance, and I reckon I may or may not enter a third. But the the first one's bit a bit more me behind camera mm-hmm. and sort of only acting if like there was I couldn't get the, the someone to do the role. Yeah, uh, and more horror, mm. you know. Whereas whereas the second Renaissance has been more me acting and doing the action comedy and the thrillers, mm. you know, which I love, and. Oh, look, it's been it's been argumentative. You know, there's been some people say, you know, I don't want to see you act. I want to, I just want you to direct. Mm. And I've had other people say, if you're not in it, I'm not watching it. So it's it's really fifty fifty. And that's something I'm trying to get my head around, which mm. may even determine what the third Renaissance will be. Because, or should I say, was Renaissance? <laughs> um, <laughs> but you know, it's uh, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a tricky question because everyone's got an opinion. Mm. And then you've got to weigh up, okay, well, what's the majority? But then is that here or is that overseas? And then hang on, where's my stuff selling? And who, who actually gives a shit? And who's, whose opinion's more important? And I'm sure you know all this with your releases of your albums and your, your genre and your songs and your mm. audience. It's, it's, it's just not black and white, yeah. you know? And, and, and I still think that us as indie um, artists, we're always trying to discover our voice. Well, that, that will, that's, that's a forever process. You probably, probably, I mean, there's a saying that as soon as you discover exactly who you really are, that it all, it all ends. Yeah, you probably give up. You you know what I mean? Or or you probably die that, you know, like it's, it's one of those, um, I don't know, man, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to enjoy the journey. I think, I think, you know, it's like, it's like Street Fighter 2 when Ryu wins 
uh, in, <laughs> and, it, and it says he, he doesn't give a shit about the about the trophy. It's about the fight, uh, and and that's right. kind of one of my metaphors. It's about the journey, not so much the prize. So horror Nathan <laughs> did have uh, a part in a in a big horror movie. I did, my friend. Yes, it was, well that that was that was uh, that was a dream come true because mm. in my mind I wanted to make or be in a movie made by Hollywood as a vampire. Yeah. And it came to me, you know, and that was ridiculous because I, yeah, obviously Queen of the Damned um, and having my Uncle Michael, who was the chief carpenter on it. Did I, did I, I tell you that? I did not know yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Right. So, so I was going to set every morning being greeted by family. I mean, it was, it was unbelievable. So I will tell you just a little story there just for the, <laughs> for the listeners. Um, the very first day I had on set, I don't know if I've said this on air anywhere, <clears throat> I was greeted by my Uncle Mike, which was beautiful because normally as a, an actor, you'd have to um, report to casting or one of the ADs. But I saw Mike, he was, he was almost like sort of embraced me in the car park <laughs> and he said, come with me. And I, particu- I, I on pur- purposely went in early and then he took me for a private tour of every single set piece that Amazing. he'd built. Wow. And I just remember being gobsmacked and looking at all of these rooms and sets and thinking, oh my God, I want to live here. You know, though it was just... It was a gothics, you know, kind of, you know, wet dream, basically. Mm. Uh, and he should, you know, you know, I built this and I built that and that's mine and that's mine. I'm like, oh, my God. Right up to the four cleaf, um, the four leaf clover um, bar, spa bath that Aaliyah and Stuart Townsend oh, are actually wow. lying in. He built that. Wow. And when the film ended, they auctioned it. And one of the chippies actually bought it. I think he That's bought amazing. it for about five grand and it's wow. sitting in his front lawn somewhere. <laughs> um, it's unbelievable. But that was my, my first day. So it was mm. really great because getting back to what you and I love, I was appreciating the art first. So when the actors came on set, I hate to say it, but for me, that was kind of secondary. I wasn't as awestruck or stargazing as much as the other guys were, I think. Mm. And everyone was sort of starting out. So you had Aaliyah, who's now huge, but back then she was just a girl starting out. And the same as Stuart Townsend. No one knew who he was. I'd seen all his films because, you know, me, I'm I'm a nut. I love all movies. I'd seen two (laughs) features he was in and people thought it was his first film. I said, this is his third. Wow. You know, so, yeah, things like that. Um, And you have another passion which played Mm. into you playing a vampire mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in Queen of the Damned. Yeah. Can we get a little history <laughs> of your collection? The collection? Yeah, the collection. Which collection are we talking about? Uh, that would be the Lost Boys oh, collection. Oh, yes, of course. Well, uh, that, that throws back to Uncle Dave with the video stores because mm-hmm. we would have had Lost Boys on preview tape. Yep. But that was his favourite soundtrack. And I remember him getting the vinyl. And sort of, you know, and, and it was at Christmas and he took the vinyl out and he was showing my dad, but my dad had no idea what he was talking about, but I knew everything he was talking about. Yeah, and he said, this is the best soundtrack. It's got in excess. It's got Jimmy <laughs> Barnes. It's got this, it's got that. And I, was, and I knew exactly what it was. Um, and to this day, it's still one of my favorite movie soundtracks of all time. I think the Lost Boys, I think it just encapsulates that era when we were so young, fresh, hungry, alive. Yep. It just stuck. And, you know, for someone else, it might have been Mary Poppins or it might have been Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles or whatever. But, you know, for me, it was Lost Boys. That was that was the peak of the of the collecting and, and, and coming out of the gates. And I think um, in the same way that something like, say, E.T., mm-hmm. um, neighborhood kids just going out and playing yeah. and having fun. And, like, that was that what was, our... That was life. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
these days. I mean, I mean mm. people still do. Kids mm. still mm. go out and play. Yeah. But yeah. I don't think that there was the same kind of abandon from parents no, where because parents we would say, be yeah. home for dinner. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you'd leave the back door open. You know yeah. what I mean? You yep. wouldn't even lock the house. Yep. Um, and you're right, because we weren't on a device. Mm. We were seeking experience and we were seeking I guess moments and we were seeking uh, um, fun and excitement and I guess that's where um, movie making and music mm. you know and then and then computer games came after that um, you know we were, we, were, we, were, we were seeking highs and you and I are great and we're lucky because we weren't seeking you know um, highs uh, in other ways or yeah. at least at least not full-time or for <laughs> for long-term uh, effect yeah. um, and so, you know, we're healthy in that respect. And so, I, and because and I remember you as well, because, you know, and I, I'd hear about you and, 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 you know, I knew you were just always writing music mm. and it was the same way I was like writing a script, you know, and always coming up with ideas and going back to the man cave as such. And, you know, but it was also hard because sometimes, you know, you'd get some friends that didn't understand what we were doing, mm. because I also think you and I have a different mindset to, you know, the average bear. And that also sometimes it's hard. You know, so say, for example, someone says, oh, Nath, you know, come out. We're going to go, I don't know, uh, we're going to go and play ice hockey. Mate, you're not going to see me playing ice hockey. It's not my bag. Do you know what I mean? So that's a a shitty example. But, you know, someone would say, come out and we're going to go and do this. And I'd be like, it's not me. And then that had come back on me because they thought maybe I was, I was, you know, being an asshole. But I actually, it just wasn't me at the core. I I was thinking and wanting Mm. to do other things for fun. I think... um that, that was something that I probably didn't realize until I was in my early twenties that not everyone was experiencing music the same way. Exactly. That, That's exactly right. Like I have an almost pathological yep. love for yes, it. Yes. Trying to explain the detail yep. Yep. of this lyric or this sound. Yeah. And people are saying, oh, that's nice. It's kind of sounds nice. Totally. And it's like, it's my life. <laughs> no, no, you're right. I mean, I, I talked to a guy recently who's, who said that I was a serial filmmaker. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and I kind of went home thinking, am I? God, maybe he's, maybe he's right. Maybe I am. But no, it's exactly what you said, appreciating it on a, on a different frequency, mm. you know, than, other, than, our, than our, our immediate family and friends. Uh, and, and having to make peace with that. Mm. Just, um, mm. Yeah, man. It's, that's a thing. Because it, it might sound slightly elitist, mm. Mm. but it's mm. just that di- everyone's different. Everyone's, everyone's different. got their thing. Yep. Um, and for me... That was music for you. That was yeah, film. Absolutely, um, absolutely. And I've I've been called that as well. And uh, um, I think it was my art director on Hide and Seek, and he said that we were, we were driving home and having a similar conversation, and he just kind of plainly just said, "Well, you're an elitist." <laughs> and I went, "Oh, wow, am I?" I think it was the first time I'd heard the word. <laughs> and he said, "Oh, yeah, you know." And then went back to what he was doing. It was just just it was just like a normal thing. And I thought, "Wow, really? Shit." I had to go home and, th- and think about it. But yeah, like you said, without being, you know, ego, egotistical, it's kind of, we kind of are mm. because we're doing things that other people, A, aren't doing, B, can't do maybe. Yeah. C, you know, don't, it's just not in the hemisphere. It's not in the spectrum. Yeah. And like, I'll never have the ability to do clinical accounting. Oh, um, well, that's right. We're each to their own. But some people have that. So, oh, um, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, what is it? Uh, all types to make the world go around. Yeah. No, you're absolutely right. Each to their own. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to ask what mm. you think are the most important things you've learned mm. through your combined experience mm. to sort of dive in there. Like I, from watching you as a mm. writer and a performer, mm. I've seen 
like a slightly more dramatic, uh, serious persona mm. emerge. Oh wow! Um, in the last few mm. films, there's there's mm. obviously mm. still um, <laughs> still the tongue in cheek. Yeah. Yep, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I think it was was it Jasper or what was mm. after? Might have been model behaviour. Um, or one, could have been Guaylo or colorblind probably or. Or eye portrait, maybe might have been eye portrait. Yeah, I, I'm more serious. Even, even back, I think like with mm. Jasper, I was like, mm. oh, I think that's the like the best I've seen Nathan mm. do a like mm. a broad mm. combination of styles. Oh, yeah, thanks, man. No, I remember. Yeah, you, yeah I do, do remember you and I having a conversation where we were comparing, and I think yeah, and I remember you said that you'd liked that characterization more than others mm. that yeah. has become the kind of signature character. I'll say on air now, and I can tell you this is news. Jasper's now been optioned to be made into a novel. What? Yes. You are kidding me. That's fantastic. So I got called yep. from a distro yep. and 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 a um, and an author, wow. uh, who's who's got a um, publishing company and and it's in the works. Brilliant. I just got sent Brilliant. a synopsis. They're right. That's now Jasper's going to be a book. Great. So an, an American one too. Fantastic. So yeah, there you yeah. go. So no, you're right. That's been the signature character. Mm. And there are those peak moments because, I mean, I listen a lot to Tarantino because I think he knows what he's talking about. Also coming from the video store um, era, which yep. I'm from, um, when he talks about, you know, filmmakers having their kind of time. Mm. And I guess it's the same for musicians. I'd, 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 I'm, I'd like to think I'm still getting better. I, th mm. I think because, I mean, I, I remember showing... Um, Jared at Monster Pictures, Lady Terror, and he said, you know, you're one of the few indie filmmakers I know that films are actually getting better. And I was like, well, that's an amazing compliment. But but then I look back and I'm like, you, I like Jasper. I like, yeah. I, I see, And I think model behavior was a peak moment. So was Revenge of the Guaylo. But uh, yeah, to, to still be good or consistent or make something that's groundbreaking is a little bit up to the universe, I yeah. think. I think it's a little bit, there's, there's a lot, there's, there's elements to it that are kind of out of our control, mm. you know, cause we control, try to control so much, don't we, what we're doing with our art. Um, Do you think you can almost strangle it or kill it sometimes? How, how, <laughs> how much of a dictator would you say you are on I what think you I'm want? getting better. Right. I think I'm getting better. <laughs> like there's a photo of me dictating on Guaylo and one of my mates, um, who's a writer, he saw this picture and he said, you know, you look like a friggin' maniac. Don't don't use that <laughs> shot in publicity. And I was like, "Are you kidding? That's the first shot I'm going to use." Um, but no, I'm. I think I'm getting better. I'm getting better at trusting the process, letting go, and seeing what the other person can do. Mm. And that's interesting. And and I listened to Mel Gibson as well, and he says that he's amazed at how the better products are the are the simpler ones. Okay. Yep. So I'm kind of trying, I'm trying to take heed of that. So I'm like, okay, so if I just get a really good camera, <laughs> mm. good actors, a set, a story, yeah. good sound, start, start rolling, sort of simplify it. Know that, like have the confidence to know that you're okay. You've been doing it this long. It's not as much of a struggle. Go out there and just do it. Bring that product back and just edit it. Don't kind of overthink it. Mm. It's kind of working. And then I had a compliment from another actor, Adam, who's actually ironic is his birthday today. Um, and he texted me and he said to me, you know, he said, you're a heavyweight. And I said, what do you mean? And he said, you've been doing it for so long now. You can just choose what you want to do. You don't even have to try. And I thought, wow, that's an amazing compliment. Um, 
and I'm trying to take that on board and not be so hard on myself and mm. say, shit, maybe I can enjoy this. Maybe I can just slow down a bit. Maybe it doesn't have to be so hard all the time. That's also been a recurring theme uh, for people listening to this podcast that uh, getting to around our age, mm. um, middle-aged, yeah. and having a bit of grace for yourself and saying... Yeah, that's right. Uh, saying you're good enough. Yeah. Yep. Um, and... Yeah, being kind to those younger versions of ourselves. Definitely, um, because you and I have come out of an era as well where it was very competitive and a lot harder. Yep. And and you you really had to. I mean, you've had to you've had to fight really hard to have a voice, mm. you know, and uh, and a lot of put downs. And let's be honest, you know, in school even there was a lot of there, there were less people like us in our school, yes. if you know what I mean. Yep. So it, you know, we'd really stand out. And I remember getting work experience in Channel Two when I was in Year Eleven. No one had done it in the school. I was the first, and they just thought, "Well, who is this guy?" You know, yep. oh, he, oh, he thinks he must think he's awesome. They they'd already slapped. You know, a label yeah. on me before I'd even had a chance to voice my own opinion. You know, yeah. uh, I can say that as a more sensitive and artistic youth growing up uh, in the Bible Belt, oh, yeah. it was trickier, uh, yeah. and there may have been uh, bullying. Mm. There mm. may have been punch-ups. <laughs> yeah, and you and uh, I both coming out of a religious uh, upbringing as well. Correct. Yeah. So that's another thing. So you have learned to take your hands off the mm. wheel a little bit and just uh, trust um, the actors' instincts a little, mm -hmm. um, mm. and so it's a bit of a, a balancing act. Um, yeah, I think that ebb and flow again, and yeah. sort of, yeah, not not wanting to control as much, um, sort of trust more in the process. Yep, and let it happen, and and trust other people. Let them let them do them in a sense you know you do this i, I don't want to say you no know, you do you but <laughs> but um i guess having the confidence to to uh to know that at this stage of the game you know we know what we're doing yeah and we've been consistent and we also wouldn't be here if we weren't doing it right either that's true do you know what that's i mean very true. we've yep. got to really give ourselves a pat on the back because i think you and i are very hard on ourselves and and that's also good in some situations because that's how you get here because if you're a perfectionist that's also how you got to this point point but uh but letting up a bit and and sort of saying because i'm I, I sort of sit back now and say how many films have i got left shit maybe it's only a couple right. i better enjoy it yep what absolutely. the hell you know uh well nathan it's been yeah. uh fantastic just having time to chat with you Likewise. again outside of uh work we don't often mm -hmm. we're often very driven when we see each other are we ever um so Give us a, mm, um, a few mm, places mm, where we can mm. find your work. Yep. So, I mean, I've still got my official Facebook page. been there for, for years. If you just type in Nathan Hill or Nathan Hill Productions, you'll get all my updates. And then my Insta, type in Nathan Hill, but it's Nate J. Hill, mm -hmm. N-A-T-E-J-H-I-L-L. -L. Uh, what else? Twitter, don't really use it. TikTok, yep. not a TikTok guy. Don't have time. Wish I could, just don't have time. So yeah, Instagram, Facebook, and also my YouTube. YouTube, Nathan Hill Productions. Terrific. You'll find it all there. Uh, and the best place to view your films, mm -hmm. your body so work? Ozflix is good because they do every Australian film, and that's local. Just type in Ozflix, O-Z-F-L-I-X, Ozflix. Half my catalog's on that. But then your typical uh, usual suspects, uh, which is uh, Google Play, Apple TV, Amazon Prime, Microsoft, YouTube. Terrific. Yep. Um. So I'll dump all of those links into the Patreon and the um, comments, the info for these podcasts. Oh, and we forgot to talk about physical media. We did. Me being the Renaissance yep. man. So I'm probably the only guy that still does a DVD and a Blu-ray of every single title I release. Yep. So they're available online. 
And uh, when that electromagnetic end of the world comes <laughs> with nuclear disaster, those physical products will still be remaining. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm just, I'm just imagining the end of Planet of the Apes with the Statue of Liberty and a copy of Jasper on Blu-ray. <laughs> it'll be the combined history of the world in those uh, oh, two I items. I love it, my friend. And that's what I want is the definitive box set with every movie, whether it's Blu-ray or DVD. <laughs> when I've got that on my shelf and my mantle, then I'm, I'm done. Oh. Um, so yeah thanks again Nath and um, as usual we will sign off with there is magic in the mystery of not quite knowing what you're doing thanks everyone cue playback